Hello, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It was sure a freaking fight to even get this going this morning. Um, Twitter like shut down my first space and I don't really know why. Um, well, I do know why. Uh, it's because whenever anything to do with men's rights pops up on social media, people are like, oh my God, misogyny, radicalness, um, which is absolutely fucking insane to me, pardon my language, but uh, yeah, the fact that I had to fight so hard just to even get this going is <laughs> speaks volumes as to why I even have it to begin with. Um, hello, Kaz, how are you doing? Oh, you're not ready to speak yet. Okay. Either oh, no. it's like, I, oh, go ahead. I am. I just, there's always a little lag time when um, someone's mic gets cut on, so I didn't hear you say anything. Good morning. It's great to see you again, Chloe. Yeah, it's great to see you as well. Thank you for joining this space. It's nice to see some familiar faces in here. My pleasure entirely. You know, I think you're right. There's always this uh, pushback on men's <laughs> mental health, and there, I've, I've been thinking about ways to like almost code it, like having a Monday space for XM, Men's Mental Maintenance Mondays, and then people just don't know it's 4XM. Like, what's 4XM? That title is completely ambiguous, but it sets up that that energy where people know, like, oh, 4XM. This is where men go for their mental mental maintenance on Monday. So, you know, an idea. I think the saddest thing to me is that um, that even has to happen. Like at the end of the day, my biggest frustration is that, you know, I deal with feminists every single day who tell me and, and male feminists as well, who tell me that what I do is just absolutely insane and not needed because of patriarchy and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, how can you say that we live in a society that benefits men when men can't even have their own space to talk about men's mental health? And that's like, that's, that's really the reality of it and why it's so important is because there's, as I said in my first space, you know, I can talk all day long about men's mental health and I can try to preach to women all day long, but unless men within the men's rights community are like really taking the steps themselves to, you know, make sure that men's mental health is still talked about, like I'm not really doing anything. And that starts with checking in on your friends. Like there is a massive epidemic of suicide happening and men are still being treated like disposable utility belts like it just doesn't make any sense at all to me there's a hashtag that's trending now where it's hashtag men are useless and it's like are do people not realize that this is contributing like do they not care but I think the reality is is that they really don't care because you know, society and feminism has really pushed into everyone's brain that women should just be, you know, protected and men should always be held responsible. So there is no protection for men's feelings. There's no protection for, you know, e even just a safe space for them to go um, in life, in real life, in domestic violence situations, with poverty and even on social media to have a safe place to go and speak. So how 
feminists can really sit there and say that this is like a patriarchal society is absolutely insane. Like they are, they're right. It is patriarchal. Men are taking up the majority of the suicide rate, the homeless rate, workplace deaths, like sure, but it's not benefiting men. It's benefiting like women, really. It just seems like their solution to the patriarchy is just like allowing men to continue to kill themselves because I mean like look at how it's treated when we try to open up spaces talk about it my accounts get banned um but yeah I'll let somebody else take the mic you know Chloe one of the things you just said actually I think is very important to recognize in the way that feminism is perceived and that male and female um, energies and responsibilities or faults in society are perceived because like you said there's this idea that women are to be protected and men are responsible but that's literally always been there within western society like there's been the attitude of women should be protected men you're responsible for protecting the women providing for the women but there was a flip over the course of the last 60 years where now instead of a man having the honor being honored for protecting the women in his life for from any harms that may be coming their way. Instead of a man being honored for putting food on the table and for building, for planting, for making things with our hands, there's this sense of women are to be protected from all men and all men are responsible for the pain that all women feel. And that's just this really distorted, dystopian view of reality, especially as, you know, we've talked about in your spaces and you've said many times, women are just as abusive as men when you get down to the hard numbers. It's 50-50. And the fact that women don't get shown to have that tendency within the current narrative is one of the things that leads to such hypertoxicity in women, especially towards men and women like you who stand up for us. Yeah, absolutely. I, you are, you like hit the mark. Absolutely. I, I always say that, um, I feel like that there, there's very much a perception that men are just inherently dangerous and that they're more dangerous than women. Um, I don't believe that anybody is inherently anything. I think that society makes the man. I don't think that, you know, the man makes the society, so to speak. And I think what makes women so dangerous is these ideologies and benevolent sexism or benevolent sexism, sorry, the idea that women are just innocent and they can't do any wrong. And this is this is projected, continued to be projected when 150 prominent feminist organizations and individuals signed their name in an open letter to Amber Heard. This happened. I've never in my life seen somebody bet on a losing horse like months after it lost the race. I've just never seen it. But it's all in the name of, you know, protecting, you know, women's rights and not calling out their wrongs. And at the end of the day, you're right. The domestic violence rate is 50-50. In fact, women are actually a little bit more likely to commit violence. And it's because we don't call it out. We excuse it. Um, you know, I consume 
uh, over the last two years have consumed probably hundreds of thousands of hours of legal content, whether it be interrogations, watching trials, listening to lawyers, breaking down trials, whatever. It's just my thing. And one thing that I continuously see is that when women are perpetrators of violent crimes, every single one of them, their default is, oh, the man made me do it. And the reason for this is because it's easy to do that. Because if you have a penis in society, you're guilty. But the thing is, is that these ideologies are not just projected by feminists to men. They're projected a hell of a lot within um, like the manosphere, men's rights community as well. I hear men saying, I don't want trans women going in the washroom with my daughters. Well, why is that? Is that because you believe that men are just inherently dangerous? Like, you know what I mean? And there's also the projections of what masculinity is. If men really want to help other men and lower the suicide rate, you guys have got to start redefining what masculinity is because society defined it for you in where it means that you're you know, you're not vulnerable, you don't, you know, love your children the same way, you don't, you know, it's just all groomed to be a certain way, and it set men up for failure. But with that being said, I think Simon had his hand up first, so I'm going to let Simon take the mic. I think somebody has their mic on. It might be Simon. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're good. Okay, take it away. No worries. Thank you, Chloe. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. If you've got a penis, it's your fault. Uh, I'm going through something right now with like that. Uh, my ex-partner accused me of assaulting her last week, so I got arrested and I'm being charged for assault and battery. I've never laid a finger on her in my life. For all the 17 years we were together, I never raised a hand. I used to, we used to scream and shout at each other, but I'd never raise a hand to her. So yeah, I've got that coming up. Next next March, I go, I my bail ends, and I go find out if I'm going to court or not. But I've been told if I get found guilty, it's a prison sentence just because she told them that I assaulted her. It's, it's bonkers. Just uh, I'll pass it over to Enoch now. There you go, brother. Damn, Simon, I feel you. Like I, I really do. That's that's a hard one to get hit with, and I've been I've been sitting back since the first time Chloe opened the Twitter space and I jumped in and really questioning how I'm going to step up because I've been working really hard on building my own business, my Web three community, getting ready to launch and you know take care of myself in this way because. We can't take care of others if we don't have a solid foundation. And I've been in that situation for years where between autism and being black and being a man, like I, it's hard as hell for me to hold down a job. It's hard as hell for me to maintain that steady income. And Web3 has been the chance for me to like actually start building. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to really think about how to expand outward. I've been doing more community work. I'm seeing that's more important. Like that's how I'm building everything. So I have an idea that I would like to put out because I feel like it's really important for us to create solutions 
you know, we, it's, it hurts and it's great to share how much things hurt, but we have to make solutions. Uh, one of the things that I've seen in terms of web three and blockchain technologies that is actually really powerful for social change is the structure of a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. And I think that um, it would be really a solid thing. I would be down to Chloe, if you're down to have the conversations, we can work out how to actually create a men's mental health DAO, a Roma army DAO, something that is actually dedicated to helping provide men with mental health services, um, creating the network and the resources, helping get professionals that are um, therapists, that are lawyers, that are social workers who advocate in these areas to become part of the DAO so that we have a resource bank. So when people like Simon are in the situation where you're getting hit with false charges, you have this bank of international resources to be able to draw upon. There's the DAO that has these funds that is able to come together and say, okay, one of our members is being hit with these false charges. We're going to take a portion of the liquidity pool that the DAO has, and we're going to put it into the legal fees for our brother over here. Um, you know, we're going to help open a, a clinic in this place to give mental health services. We're going to buy copies of She Is Not Your Rehab from the this amazing men's rights organization in um, New Zealand. You know, we're going to build this, this collaboration because, you know, I, Chloe, I respect everything you do. Like you are truly out there fighting every day and I see how exhausted you are. Fighting is hard. Fighting is really exhausting, especially when you're putting your face out there, when you're doing it all on your own, there's not the group to support you because there's the label, there's the, the tag of the Roma army and there's all the, your followers. But when it comes down to it, you're the one doing the work. And for men's rights, men's health, men's, men's maintenance, like this is a man's job and it's taken having someone like you actually speaking out on our behalf to get this many men in this room all together at once talking about the subject. So thank you for being that light and like giving all of us the chance to step up and say for real, like, yeah, this shit sucks. We're in pain and we need help. And I want to, I'm throwing this out there. Let's start strategizing and do this right. I say we could launch it at the end of the first quarter of the next year and have something going that is actually able to create a lot of positive change in men's mental health and awareness. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good idea. Just really quick before I passed off to Jason, um, I think what you said was about, uh, I think what you said was spot on when you said that, you know, it's, it's good and it's an amazing start to have a safe place to be able to talk about your emotions, talk about what you're going through and have that normalized and not have you shit on for it but next we need to come up with solutions and it's funny that you said that because that's one of the biggest things i wanted to talk about today is you know i see a lot of unintentional hypocrisy within the men's rights community where it's you know yes roma 
talk about how men should be able to, uh, you know, men should be able to express themselves. Men shouldn't have to provide for a woman, you know, just because he has a penis. But then, you know, when I talk about, you know, men actually, you know, being vulnerable or going to therapy or, you know, some of the other things, I get a pushback and I get, well, no, that's not, you know, that's not manly. And that's not, you know, being a man is about being hard and rough and tough. And it's like, well, are you, who are you helping when you're doing that? And you're not leaving any room for men who are neurodivergent, for men who are introverts, for men who are, you know, don't hit that hyper masculine, you know, they just can't put on muscle the same way. Uh, you know, maybe they have thyroid issues and they're just like a heavier set man, you know, like there's not a lot of space for like true men's mental health and really breaking down what masculinity is within the men's rights community. And it drives me absolutely insane because like there's no room, there's no room from feminists and within the men's rights community for anything different other than the hard stoic man. And I just think that it starts with men in themselves breaking down what it means to be masculine and encouraging each other. But with that being said, I'm going to pass it off to Jason, and then it was PM, and then it was Craig. Uh, hello. Thank you for allowing me to join this conversation, um, and thank you for coming back after the technical difficulties that you had. Hello. Can everyone hear me? Yeah, you're good. We can okay. hear you. All right. So um, I had started off earlier before in saying that um, I'm an active-duty military been in for a little over 17 years and when it comes to mental health I can honestly say that the military takes a very um, proactive approach as of late in regards to mental health for not just service members but for men um, particularly and because of our profession it bleeds into our profession our uh, personal so when you're dealing with that that balance of if work isn't right, home isn't right. If home isn't right, work isn't right. And if, if work isn't right, you can cause someone to lose their life, seriously injure them or yourself. They take a really big proactive stance on trying to get training completed and and opportunities of resources uh, sent out to uh, to soldiers, sailors, everyone to be informed of what is available to them the mainstream society like anything we can't get this accomplished if we do not have a community of peers supporting us there's no way that we can attack the problems of male mental health or mental health in general if we don't have those same groups all come together so whether it's a modern feminist movement or it's a traditional feminist movement, if they don't support men's mental health, it's never going to get but so far because it's going to seem like the quote unquote patriarchy trying to do something. We have to combine and we have to take each other's mental health very seriously. You know, there's a statistic in the armed forces that Every day, there are 22 active duty slash veterans that commit suicide. That is a crazy number when you think that only 1% of Americans serve in the military. 
that number is entirely too high. Entirely too high. But it's our peer groups that we as men lean on. It's that camaraderie in the birthing on the mestex when you're out to sea talking to that shipmate talking to that battle buddy about the day what's going on that day what's going on at home those are the ones that get you through that day so you may not have the openness of going to your significant other but you have that battle buddy that you always confide in and you always open up to because they're the ones closest to you and they can understand what's going on the the most in your life and i totally understand and i totally agree with having some kind of um system in place where we can sit down strategize and plan on how to achieve and get not just the military numbers down but all the numbers of suicides down in men and women because we can't do it alone we have to do it together we have to do it together if not then it's just going to be a lot of talk and no action behind it. That's Absolutely. All I that. Well, first of all, before I think it was PM and then it was Craig. Um, so before I pass it off to PM, first of all, I think on behalf of everybody here, thank you so much for your sacrifice because, you know, unless you are a service member, you know, whether a vet or active duty, um, like I as a civilian will never understand what the sacrifice really is, but it is a sacrifice mentally, you know, like it's just so much. So thank you very much. In regards to the 22 a day statistic, um, absolutely. I mean, that's my cover photo on all of my socials because I want to remind people every single day, not just on Veterans Day or Remembrance Day, because I'm in Canada, so it's called Remembrance Day. Um, you know, not just one day a year to remember, you know, the people who are sacrificing themselves and sacrificing time with their family, their mental health. Um, you know, we need to, to keep importance on that. And it starts, especially with service members. You know, I have a Patreon and I have a military tier. And over the last three years, I've lost four of my Patreons to suicide. They were all Marines. And I don't know why, but, you know, I think from what I read, I think it was Marines took up the highest, um, the highest suicide rate within the military. I believe uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, the response to, you know, even service members killing themselves in their barracks was just treat them like children, take their guns away. Don't address the issue. Just take their guns away. You know, a lot of my service members talk about how, um, you know, if they actually go and talk about suicidal ideation or something, then that's like a mark on their career. Like they're not taken as seriously or some of them have been discharged. Um, so there needs to, I, I'm very happy to hear that they're starting to get it together within the military because these, these men and women are away from all of their supports. Like you said, the one person they have is their battle buddy and everybody else and everything else is just like, it, it's not there. It's lonely. It's, you know, so it really, again, it starts within the community, you know, like it starts within the higher ups when it comes to the military and how they're dealing with mental health and taking it seriously. And then it's up to the rest of society after that, because, 
you know, these veterans are still, they still take up a large portion of the homeless rate. I have a lot of veterans who are like waiting on their paychecks every month or were some of them were like screwed out of it last year. So we need to start taking better care of each other for sure. Um, with that being said, I believe it goes off to PM and then it's Craig and then it's BJ. Oh, BBJ. Oh, fuck. I'm so dyslexic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Take it away, PM. <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to say that to all of you and Chloe, who have said your ideas about um, getting back on track with the proper um, solutions for men's mental health, I've heard some great ideas so far. And Chloe, I personally cannot wait to for you to expand your audience to not just those of us online, but in real life too. Like, you know, holding some like probably real life meeting conferences in real life. I can't wait for that to happen whenever that does. I'm I'm sure there'll be a video of it, but I'm, I'll be the first one to tune in and watch it. I'm sure we all will too. But anyway, I wanted to touch on the subject of um, those in the military because I do have a brother, an older brother. He, he is a veteran. And I think I can say that I, now that I understand him more, we have a bit of an age gap in our difference. He's he's in his forties, but I'm in my twenties. But I've learned more about him through our mother, and he I would say he does struggle with PTSD, even though he has two kids and and, and a family. But I would say every now and then his PTSD strikes, and he sometimes resorts to drugs to cope and i suppose now that i know this i'm worried about him if you know what i mean so i i hope i get to talk to him more when i can you know i just hope he you know sticks around and stays strong because i mean he's still young i mean i know some people consider probably 40s to be oh that's so old but no 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 that's that's still pretty young so so uh going forward yeah continue um talking about continue getting the message out to stay in contact with those you know that are veterans which i'm personally trying to do myself so uh, i wish i could think of more to talk about but uh, my Asperger's brain is limiting me from talking so much, so I'll just pass it on over to, uh, what was it, Craig next? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Thank you so much, and uh, I really encourage you to reach out to um, your brother as much as you can, um, you know, and just, you know, even just, like, invite him out to just, like, do stuff with him, um, because... One thing that's really tricky, I've noticed just working with veterans and with service members, is that it's really tricky to get them to be vulnerable with each other. It's easier for them to be more vulnerable with me, I've noticed. I don't know if it's because, you know, they they trust me as, you know, a content creator. Um, I think because I'm a woman comes into it as well. But I've noticed when it comes to each other, it's really difficult for them to not go into that, you know, uh, you know, army boy camaraderie. It's difficult for them to be vulnerable because it ties into the view of masculinity, right? I mean, going and serving your country 
And, you know, being a military man is seen as like one of the most masculine things you can do. Um, you know, that coupled with being a father. So we know that emotions, that's not really tied with masculinity. That's tied with femininity. And, you know, for those that feel like emotions, they don't want to express emotions because it's feminine. Femininity isn't weakness, you know. So I just I just want to give that reminder and pass it off to Craig. And then it was BB. And then it was, fuck, I always want to say enchanted because I have dyslexia. I'm just going to say enchanted. You can. Craig, you have permission. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome this morning. Um, I'm Craig. I'm a farmer. Um, and I have been interested in, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, put the terminology of men's rights on, on it personally. Um, I'm fine with other people calling it that, but I've been interested in it for close to 10 years now. Um, I grew up in a mostly female household. I didn't, I had a, an emotionally distant dad, still is emotionally distant. Um, and I think that that is in part because of the way that he was socialized to be a guy. So I've had a long and troubled journey in understanding my own sense of masculinity. Um, and I have basically since around 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, I was going to grad school and I kind of became interested in uh, masculinity in general and what it means to be a man. And, and, and I found all these things about like men being, um, stifled from their true selves and from their emotions and not being able to express those things. And it just really clicked for me. And I, I always wanted to, and I do, and I have, I used to be a teacher. I always used to, uh, put this out there for the young boys that I taught, like, it's okay to feel your emotions, you know, like I cried yesterday and <laughs> I'm okay with that. And it's okay to not be okay. And um, now that I'm a farmer and I know that suicide is a huge issue for um, farmers too. Um, but I, I just, I always, I always push this sense of being true to yourself being true to your emotions, recognizing that you have emotions and opening yourself up to that kind of vulnerability that allows you to be the healthiest, most realized sense of who you are that uh, you, you can have. That being said, I also am aware that there's a, there were good reasons for the feminist movements of the past. They've just become toxic in and of themselves and they've become misandry as some people have called it or man-hating as other people have called it and i mean maybe there was a good place for that at one point in time when the ba when the balances were way off um, between men and women but um you know it, it when it when it becomes a problem in and of itself that's when spaces like this need to exist and um i you know like i would argue in my own opinion that the true feminists out there are the ones that are arguing no that we need to help men be better themselves you know those are the, those are the true feminists the ones that are actually 
equitable in their conversations about men and women being healthy and not being discriminated against. Um, anyway, uh, I think it's great that everybody's here. I think just open yourselves up to yourself, be vulnerable. Um, and thanks for letting me share. Well, thank you for what you do as well as a farmer. Thank you for what you do. It's very important. And I'm sure everybody here in the chat appreciates it. I actually was not aware um, that farmers were um, affected by suicide at a high rate. I could imagine maybe isolation has to do with that. I would like to hear more um, from you if you're willing to share a about that, about what um, is causing that, because I would like to do some content on that. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right when you say that, like, you know, being vulnerable and, you know, like th that that's okay. I think that, you know, one thing I notice, especially being a mother, is that society treats little boys and little girls very, very differently. And I saw it very much when my daughter still, you know, looked like a boy because, you know, toddlers, they, they kind of just all look the same. They look like babies. You can't really tell what their sex is. And when people thought that she was a boy, she was getting compliments like, oh, you're so cool. You're so tough. You're so smart. And then when people, you know, when she was very feminine presenting, it became you're so pretty. You're so um, you're so cute. You're so it was just very different compliments. And I think what you said about emotionally distant fathers, I think that that's a really big change that can happen within the community as well, because I think almost every single person here, including myself, can probably say that the only time that they saw their father cry was probably when like his father or his mother or his sibling passed away. Like there's a really big disconnect with emotions uh, with fathers and their children. And it's because they're groomed that way. Uh, it's all in their toys, you know, like boys toys are given, they're given, uh, you know, trucks and digging and, you know, they're groomed to be productive, hard workers. Whereas girls, they're given the kitchens and the dolls, they're groomed to be compassionate, to be caregivers. And so it, it starts there as well. And, you know, it, it also starts with in the men's rights community, stopping with this like beta alpha bullshit rhetoric, because first of all, it's a fallacy. The very guy who created that entire ideology then wrote a book about how false it was because the alpha, so to speak, in a wolf pack does not eat first. He eats last. He doesn't pick on the weak. He protects the weak. You know what I mean? So it's it's weird how there's this ideology that, you know, there are some men who are very much for men's rights. But then if they see a guy that isn't fitting that masculine box, so to speak, he's the first one that they're picking on, that they're calling a simp, that they're calling a beta, that they're rather than encouraging him and saying, hey, I'm seeing some lack of confidence here. Let me let me help you as a brother. There's like a lot of bullying. And it's just it's really weird personally. But with that being said, I'm going to pass it off to Bibi. And then it was enchanted. And then um, I can only see the MA. So that's what we're going to refer to you as currently. Bibi, take it away. Hi, um, can you listen to me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, well, first of all, 
thank you, Roma. I, I found your channel on YouTube uh, a few years back, and it's been helpful, especially when dealing with um, the women with my family. Uh, but um, what I uh, also English is my second language, so if I mispronounce or or or, um, or or I take some time, it's expressing. It's because I'm translating it in my head and passing it off to, into English. Uh, one of the things I've I've noticed, at least with my friends that open up, is that they've opened up when uh, the the way the the emotions are expressed are not explosive or yelling, or it's just or they're just uh, thrown out like 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 vomit. Usually, they've responded better when it's structured and when the 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 emotions are regulated. And it's worked with a few friends of mine. So, I, of course, it's a small sample, but I, if it helps with um, your goal, um, possibly how emotions are expressed will, will will affect how many men actually do express them. Because in my culture, I'm from Latin America. the The way the women express their emotions is usually so um loud and unstructured in that that usually drives men away with all especially when when, when they start yelling and uh, uh, I've seen better results when when they when the, when I choose my words both carefully and wisely and it's worth with with a few a few friends of mine but they they do respond better when when the emotions are properly uh, re regulated you know it's like radio signals it's not too loud not too soft but um, pro properly communicated no, no, nothing like in soap operas or telenovelas and yeah that, that's that that would be my 10 cents and thank you thank you so much. Hold on, I just got to turn off my heater here. Um, yeah, I, thank you for sharing. And no worry, don't anybody here, don't worry about, you know, um, not, you know, speaking like fluent English or anything like that. Like we all come from different places in the world. We're all different ethnicities. Um, so don't worry, this is a very, like nobody here is going to get mad at you or you know, say anything othering towards you. Um, uh, it to touch on what you said about. Um, oh, hold on, I'm having a bad ADD moment. You know what? I'll come back to it. Enchanted, take it away. <laughs> thank you, Chloe, and thank you, everybody. Um, PM, I I'm feeling what you're saying. Um, my brother has been in your shoes with me. Like I'm not a veteran, but I. I tried to commit suicide last January and my brother was in Vermont doing a shoot. <laughs> so he couldn't even, he wasn't here. Like my fam, my mom was just watching to make sure that I could stay okay. Um, but it's, it's really hard to be the family member of someone that's going through that pain. And I can, I can say I've seen my family go through it. And the best thing, having been in that situation is really like what Chloe said, 
be there for your brother in the ways that he is comfortable. Like whatever he likes to do, even if you don't like it, just go and do it with him. You know, if he wants to watch some sports, if he wants to go for a hike in the woods, if he wants to just drink some beers and, you know, shoot some cans in a field, like as long as you're there with him, you're taking care of him, you're being with him and you're making sure he's safe, giving him the space to vent, giving him the opportunity to really let it out and being consistent in that because he might call you up at like three in the morning and have that moment where like he needs you and that's the most important moment of all and i i love you man i love that you're here and you're you're sharing and you're asking for that help uh craig all all the love um like being a farmer uh (laughs) yeah i i've been working to get into farming and agricultural restoration my entire life. And I know exactly how hard it is. I've done urban farming, but to be out on the land, um, and it's not just the isolation, Chloe. One of the big things is also just something every man deals with, making that bottom dollar. And it's hard for a farmer to make the money and provide for their family nowadays because the structure of farming in the United States has changed. And everything, like the... It used to be a man could actually live and work on the land with his family and have multi-generational wealth that is developed to be able to eat from your land, sustain yourself, and have money on top of that to send your kids to school, go on vacation, do some nice things. That's just not the world we're in today. But in the spirit of continuing with this um, desire to make, make some changes, I've actually started, as everyone's talking, writing up the beginning um, to a white paper for the man cave DAO because I feel like the man cave is one of those things that has been lifted up by men like that term is one of those things like a man cave is actually somewhere we can go and close the curtains and and be real and actually be vulnerable I think this would be really awesome um, and actually making a virtual world, making a, making a quote unquote metaverse, but like making something where, you know, you've got a dope ass cave structure and it is for members of the man cave DAO. It is a place where we can go, we can talk, we can get therapy in a virtual space. Don't even have to leave your crib if you're too burnt out where men who are artists that are afraid to express their art in the physical world with the people that are around them to share their art, you know, all of these things. So I started writing this up um, and I wanna share what I've got with you while we can, while everyone continues speaking, I'm gonna continue writing. So, so far, the truth of men's mental health is genuine stark reality. Every day, 22 active duty and veteran soldiers in the United States commit suicide. Workplace mortality rates for men are 10 times higher than for women. Men face higher rates of prosecution for domestic violence and assault while being assumed guilty from the jump. On top of all of this, the college enrollment and graduation rate rates for men have been dropping, while traditional trades have been industrialized, automated, and sent overseas. All of this puts a spotlight on a crisis-level lack of awareness for men's mental health in our society. 
In response to this, the Man Cave DAO has been created with the mission of developing community and holding a safe container for men to explore their emotions and their develop their fullest potential. That's all I got so far. I like it. I really, really like that quite quite a lot, actually. And I, I'm really excited to have um, some more conversations with you about this stuff in in private and how we can work together to make this a thing, especially when you said the virtual reality stuff that like really hit. Um, because I think it's, you know, safe spaces is really where it starts. A lot of men don't want to go to therapy. There aren't enough male therapists. Um, there have been studies where they have polled men who left therapy and asked them why. And the vast majority of them felt like their female therapist, her personal, social, sexist views was conflicting with their therapy sessions where they would be giving them pieces of advice that they would not give a woman. They would never tell a woman, oh, just, you know, stick around, stick around um, the abuse a bit longer. Maybe just try to listen when he's screaming at you. Like, those are just not the things that we're told as women. We're told to hold our ground, get out, protect our children. Um, and there's a completely different message for men. To touch on what uh, Bibi said, because I remember now, he was talking about um, the expression of emotions and men. And, you know, one thing that brought up for me is that men are very much um, just taught to express emotions differently. And I feel like we groom men right from little boys, almost setting them up for failure. Like we set them up to commit suicide at the end of their life. And we see it. If, if this wasn't the case, the suicide rate would not be so freaking high. And it's because we say things like, you know, when they get hurt, oh, don't worry, just just toughen up. Or when they're crying, you know, they're shamed for it. When at the end of the day, like, damn, you just bonked your head, express yourself. Some kid was picking on you at school, cry about it. Like, no worries. You know what I mean? So there is, there does need to be restructuring, like I said, of, of what it means to be masculine. And I think before I pass it off, I'm going to this is a, a hot take. And maybe will be an unpopular opinion, but I think why so many modern men are afraid to reevaluate what it means to be masculine and what it means to be a man is because there's a wider concept involved in that. If they have to reevaluate what separates them from women, then they have to reevaluate their opinion on, you know, trans women, trans men you know, some of them who aren't of the opinion that, you know, gay or lesbian relationships should be a thing. There's a reevaluation of values that has to happen across the board. And I think that that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. But all of these social issues tie together. And if any change is going to happen, that's where it starts. Um, but with that being said, uh, the MA is next. And then it was Craig shit and then it was matt and then pm and then clint hi chloe hello how are you doing today i'm good how are um, you? i think i i think one of the i think it also is a cultural thing with men's mental health because i know personally for me and and the men in my life i know in the south it's very very difficult 
you know, for men to express their emotions. I know in the South, it's, it's very, like, it's all, I think a lot of it is sometimes cultural. Like, a lot of men, you know, they're not allowed to express their emotions, um, especially in Alabama and more Bible Belt sort of things because they've been taught, you know, don't, don't do that. You're supposed to be a protector, a provider, a, you know, you're supposed to have it all together because you're the head of the household and you're supposed to, you know, do all of this stuff. And that's not, that's not going to help them out a whole heck of a lot. And I live in the Bible belt, probably the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty intense. Um, it's because my dad, you know, he struggled with depression for a very long time and I struggled with the same thing, but he never let me know. And I was, I was just like, he's, he's so cheery, you know, like, but I, I was just like, wow, I never knew. And so, you know, but I think, I think, Honestly, I think it was because he had that mindset in his mind for many, many years that, you know, I'm the head of the household. I have to keep it all together. I have to, you know, not, I have to not give a damn about my own problems and I have to worry about somebody else's. And that's just, that's, that's not, that's not okay. I, for me, I want to work hard in the South to change the culture. Yeah, I think you made a really good point. Definitely. There's, from what I've learned as a men's rights advocate, um, as a woman, as, you know, a young, a once a young girl who grew up with boys, is that what it means to be a man in society is keeping it together, providing for those around you, um, you know, doing, oh, Clint, I think you hit your speaker. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Um, being a man is about basically solving everybody else's problems um, and saying nothing about your own. And the issue with that is that we end up creating these tin men where men are just disposable. They have a purpose. They're treated like a utility belt. But then when it comes to the personal stuff, the stuff that actually makes that robot tick, there's no self-care. Nobody is um, tending to that. And speaking of self-care, you know, I have my own personal reservations with Andrew Tate just due to some of the racial stuff that he said. I have, about. A, pro- I have a problem with him as well. I, I don't like him. He gives off, excuse my language, but he gives off major thunder douche vibes. I've never heard of that before. That's funny. <laughs> um, but I, I personally have issues with him due to his some of the racial stuff that he said about uh, like Romanian gypsies, which I am. But when it comes to some of the like core advice, not when he's trolling, when he's actually giving advice to men, one thing I noticed is that although I don't agree with all of it, because I think a lot of it is tied into, you know, the very stereotypical, this is what it means to be a man. I don't really see a big difference from what, you know, women have fed me as a woman and like female empowerment stuff. I just don't see a difference. When self-care is spoken about for men, it's seen as like violent misogyny. If you tell men to go to the gym and take care of yourself, 
you know, it's seen as why are you trying to get so big? Why are you trying to blah, blah, blah. But that women, we're given the same advice and it's not, it's not viewed the same. So I just think that it's in that aspect, you know, it really, we really do need to change what it means to be masculine and what it means to be a man, because, you know, at the end of the day, there are a lot of women who will just shit themselves at the idea of a man expecting her to provide within the home. But yet she expects a man to still go to work, miss out time with his kids, provide for her X, Y, Z, basically all of the stereotypical, this is what it means to be a man stuff, but she doesn't want to be put in a stereotypical, this is what it means to be a woman stuff. And it goes both ways. There are men who don't want to provide for women, but want a woman to provide for him. And it's like, well, you got to figure out where you stand. I think it's, it's a team effort. It's a teamwork. Like for example, like a lot of, and I'm going to go back to like Viking, Viking culture, the way that, you know, men and women were in battle together. There was actual evidence um, in on battlefields where you could tell based upon what type of shield that the, that, that the woman had on whether or not there was a man and a woman in a battlefield. And I think, I think it's the same principle. It's the same principle. Men and women have to be able to be in, go in arms and fight this battle called life together with each other instead of always saying, hey, who's going to slice me first? Who's going to hurt me first? The man or the woman? Like, we can't be doing this. That's the thing. We can't be doing this. Like, men and women, for example, I am my, my, my husband, for example. I am his shield maiden. I am, I am to be there and block him and protect him when I need, like, protect him when I have to, which means I'm supposed to help him out in everything. That's, that, that's my role. That's my role as his wife because I'm his teammate. I'm his partner. That's not, it's not okay for me to not do my part. But it's also not okay for him to do his part either. It goes both ways. Yeah, absolutely. It it definitely does. Before I pass it off to Craig, it, that just reminded me of, um, you know, I really love, I love wolves a lot. I really love uh, the female wolves because they're just so misunderstood. And, you know, it, the battle thing reminded me of there's a specific breed of wolves who the female, when the when her mate is in battle, what she'll do is she'll go underneath of him and make it look to his opponent like she's cowarding under his neck. But what she's really doing is protecting the most vulnerable part of him. And it's just such a like, it's such a beautiful thing. I think the issue nowadays with a lot of... Um, they've turned into Black Widows. I think they've turned into Black Widows because Black Widows, what Black Widows do is when they are done with using the man for whatever, they kill them. And I think they've turned into that. I think that's what toxic feminism has turned into. I think it's turned into a bit of a Black Widow effect where men's lives and men and just overall men's issues in general is being like sucked out. They're being used all the time and it's not ending very well as a result. Yeah, it's a lot of it, it's a lot of women who want to be 
they want to be catered to like children, in my opinion, like, like dependents. Um, you know, they want a man to provide for them, to pay for their stuff. They don't want to be asked what they bring to the table. Um, like they basically want to be treated like children and respected as grown women. And it's just, it, it's just really, it, it's not the case. That's not reality and it's not going to happen. Um, with that being said, it is Craig's turn and then PM, I think, oh no, then Matt. If you know the order that you were in, I'm going to trust you guys to, um, to keep in order. Hey folks, um, I just wanted to answer some of the, uh, Chloe, I think you asked about farmers stuff and then respond to a couple of different things that were brought up. Um, uh, first of all, though, I wanted to highlight the term thunder douche. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was <laughs> so funny. Um, and I'm not familiar with this Andrew Tate. I, I, I don't, um, follow a lot of these like dating guru types. Um, but I know that hypermasculinity and toxic masculinity are real. Um, and that in my own negotiations with my own masculinity, one of the things that I've come to terms with as being masculine is gentleness and kindness. And I, I truly believe that those things are masculine. I, I believe that. I don't think that that's a crazy thing to say. Um, and so when I see these people that are like, I gotta be really tough. You gotta be, you know, the guy. And, I, and I'm like, physically, I am a masculine dude. You know, like I'm big, I'm strong. You know, but, and I, I do see this in big and strong guys too. There's like a, there's a gentleness to big, tall, strong dudes where they're almost afraid of their own strength, you know? And I think that that is a useful response to your own strength because you have power to cause great harm physically. And if you don't take that seriously, you know, if, if you, if you internalize it, where like, well, I could really hurt you, you know, those things become these weird, toxic things within your own ego, where you're like, well, I can, I can beat you up, you know? So personally, I think a truly like healthy masculinity is one that is kind and one that is gentle. Um, but with that being said, absolutely with the farming, um, it's isolation, but it's also economics. Um, I think that, well, and, and it is the socialization of males. Chloe, you were saying something that says, keep it all together, provide for the people around you, blah, blah, blah. Like those are, that's the, that that's farmers in America and Canada. I know a lot of Canadian farmers personally, but, um, and with the economics of farming, a lot of times, you know, you start to kind of get um, to where your expenses are way higher than your profits. And you're running a game where you're just, you're running from behind and our social systems are, or our uh, economic systems in agriculture are set up where they don't always benefit the farmers. And then you, next thing you know, you're, 
several hundred thousands of dollars into debt. And these guys think like, well, just give me five years, five good years. I can, I can make it out, you know, and they set their sights on these long-term goals for being able to get ahead of their debt, but the system is set up against them and especially the smaller farmers. Um, and so, and well, and that, and the average age of farmers is well into their sixties, maybe even early seventies, you know, like that's the reality of the people that are occupying the profession currently. And they come from that baby boomer, boomer generation of men who are more likely to deny that they have emotions even, you know, so that is kind of why farmers in general have a high uh, suicide rate when when they're male farmers specifically there are female farmers out there but um but and i think that that i think that brings up a good point in general with um this i this idea of the patriarchy versus women's rights and women just pointing to men being the problem most of the time and pointing to the patriarchy the quote-unquote patriarchy and they point to people in power and i i don't think necessarily that and yes there have been a lot of men in power for a long time but i think that there's also like a class level to this as well people that are in lower classes or middle class whatever um men specifically uh they're not necessarily people that are in power and they're not necessarily causing all of these issues that women have accused men of causing granted there are there were and are men in power that abuse their power there are women in power that abuse their power but i think power just causes people to abuse it sometimes um but um i do think that 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 classes is a certain separator here too where men will experience serious mental health issues and it's in part because they're in a bad economic situation they're just trying to get by farmers are just trying to get by and um yeah i don't know i feel like i'm kind of rambling now so i'm gonna let it go but thank you yeah no i definitely appreciate that thank you for um opening like my mind up to that i probably along with other people here was not aware that um farmers go through that there is definitely um this ideology in society that men are i see it every single day individual men why do you advocate for men's rights when they're willingly upholding the patriarchy well sorry but there's nothing patriarchal about the dynamic between like my partner and i i bring in the income he takes care of the household in every which way he's an amazing father like i've never seen anything like it personally um so there there really is this idea of really like what value is uh to a man and when they're um when they're really seen as you know, valuable to society. And back in the day, valuable just used to mean like hunting and gathering. You know, if you went out and gathered some sticks and got some berries, you were useful. 
But nowadays, you know, if you're not, um, you know, keeping it together, if you're not providing, if you're not doing X, Y, Z, um, that it's, you know, you're a problem. And, and when it comes to like the, the patriarchy thing, I find it really interesting how, you know, feminists are very quick to blame individual men for patriarchy when in reality what they don't realize is that those men have nothing to do with it and the issue is is that they're not seeing day-to-day men even as human beings is really what it comes down to they are so busy comparing men to the one percent the the men who are in power who are making the you know political changes who are advocating for you know, women's atomical, you know, autonomy, their rights to be taken away. It's not these individual men. These individual men are, you know, day-to-day society are right there with women advocating for them. And so that's the biggest thing that I challenge is whether or not patriarchy is as prevalent or is it really an illusion? Because I don't really see men benefiting, actually. I see them struggling. I see them falling behind in education. I just posted a picture on my Twitter here Uh, yesterday of somebody getting denied a job because they weren't a woman. Like, this is the reality. And somebody said earlier that feminism, um, you know, the original goal of it was amazing. And absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting here in sweatpants. That couldn't have happened without feminism. I couldn't have owned my house. I couldn't have done so many things that I did today if it weren't for the women who paved the way. And the thing is, is that these modern day feminists are spitting and slapping the faces of feminists who really, you know, pioneered the women's suffrage and who gave women really the rights that they have today. Because, you know, there are misogynistic men who say, oh, it was men who gave women, you know, those rights. Well, if it weren't for women marching and asking for it, if it weren't for their husbands, their brothers, their fathers marching right along with them, it just wouldn't have happened. So, you know, women have taken the original definition of feminism, which was the attempt to break down the patriarchal systems of hierarchy that oppress both men and women, they've changed that to only women are oppressed, men can't be oppressed, and it's a massive oppression Olympics game. Um, But with that being said, I know that there are people that still want to speak. I personally, I I have to go. I have to go pick up uh, my child from daycare or not from daycare, from school. So I'm going to end it for myself right here. If it's okay with everybody here, I would like to upload this actually as a podcast because I think that this was like an amazing conversation to be had. And instead of ending it, because there are so many people with their hands up, there are a few women who wanted to speak as well. Um, I'm just going to put my phone in my pocket and let you guys... um, just talk for a bit if that's okay with you guys I will close it down at 10 40 um because then I will you know need my phone for pickup and everything like that so you guys have about like eight minutes um so make sure you guys you know keep it quick to the point and thank you so much to absolutely everybody who shared I appreciate you guys and um if you wouldn't mind anybody listening anybody who feels comfortable and felt like this was a good conversation if you wouldn't mind just like sharing the the Twitter space so that you know more people can get involved and I'm gonna do this more regularly and like I said I'm gonna upload it as a podcast so that you know more people can hear this conversation and I just want to let everybody know who shared their opinion that you individually 
make a big difference. Your opinion matters and your opinion is like going to help somebody and probably already has in this conversation. So with that being said, I'm out and thank you so much. And um, Enchanted, since you've been here to every single one since like day one, I'm just going to make you a co-host. And I'll shut it down at 10.50 because I chatted for so long. So you guys have about like 15 minutes. And yeah, thank you, everybody. Thank you for hosting the space for everyone, Chloe. Uh, always an honor and a pleasure to be in here with you. And yeah, you've got my, you're in my DMs. So let's figure out a time to like jump on Zoom or WhatsApp or something and like have a one-on-one. I've been sitting here typing and writing up stuff about the man cave Dow. Um, and I think we can, we can start making some really amazing structured work happen um, in 2023 that would be able to not only really create the self-advocacy um, and support for men, but also give you a little bit of a breather because so, you're fighting real hard and you deserve to rest, girl. Real, real talk. You deserve to breathe. Um, but, you know, I'm having, I'm actually having a weird issue with accepting requests. So the people that have hands up, um, I, I got you and let's keep going. Um, yeah, we should just keep it to the people who have um, their hands up as well as Baked P. She's somebody who is like really goes hard for men's issues. So I think that she should also have a chance to speak. And then um, pretty much everybody who has their hands up will let them say their thing and then close it out. All right. So we're going to wrap up. Um, I was typing, so I did not see the exact order. Um, so I'm going to pass the mic to PM, then Clint, Matt, and Baked, because that's the, the order I see on my screen. Um, and then we'll have some closing thoughts, and we'll wrap it up. I think we've got about 13 minutes left and four speakers. So let's go from the heart. Much love. I wanted to touch on Enoch's little thing on what was it, the man cave that he was describing about us men expressing our, I guess, our our secret artist, artistic talents. And so I also, I, I guess I'm promoting myself here, but so I'm currently in graduate school. I'm studying to be an actor, but also a voiceover, voiceover act, person kind of, kind of thing. But so... Yeah, I just wanted to say that, hey, if that Manosphere thing uh, opens and if there's a place for me to express that there, because I'm going to be honest, I love entertaining people with my voice. I mean, you, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but you, you can kind of hear how it sounds. So you can kind of hear that I love to entertain people. I was going to so. say, you have an incredible voice. <laughs> Thanks, Chloe. Buttery, buttery. You, got that, you can get that radio yeah, and, and, and was nice cool. and easy. Yeah, and what's what's funny is I'm I'm the same age as Chloe. Granted, you're a few months older than me, Chloe, but still, I'm just I'm amazed myself. Honestly, sometimes I surprise myself sometimes. But yeah, so Enoch, uh, you you let us know when that opens, and I'm sure I'll be one of the first ones in there. So yeah, thanks, man. For sure. Let's let's I'll be including you in the communication and the thought process of building this. It's not a one 
one person game. I got a lot of things cooking and the man cave has to be something that men build together, that everyone builds together on it. It's about and having that safety. And that's what we need. So we're all together. Clint, uh, Matthias, Matthias, and Bate. Let's go. All right. Um, my name is Clinton Gage. As y'all can see, um, I'm an author and illustrator. Uh, I write what I, what I see and, and here I'm a schizophrenic. And recently I had a horrible experience with a mental health attempt. Um, I got, I went to supposedly a behavioral center and instead they pink listed me and threw me in with a pill popper that kept saying that I basically needed to be a zombie to get out. Well, I'm a father. I'm a husband, uh, probably one day going to be husband, but we're living together right now because we're both scared of marriage at the moment because of everything that's been going on. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm kind of scared for my son to grow up. He's autistic, just as I'm schizophrenic. And man, Chloe's been helping me out for a lot. I found her a couple years ago after my, my second wife left and I was literally contemplating suicide. I was about to kill myself when I found her videos and they started making me feel a lot better. Uh, former child abuse victim. I was tortured with cattle prods and things of that sort. But anyways, um, I just know that I wanted to tell Chloe that I'm so happy that you actually advocate for men's rights because there's not enough people doing it anymore because I've been literally pushed aside my whole life. So I'm glad that there's finally a safe space for people to talk and look forward to having more conversations on things like this. But hopefully one day you guys can read my book when it comes out. But talk to y'all later and Gator out. Well, Thanks. I just want to say I'm really sorry that you w went through that as a child abuse victim and not just child abuse, but like widely recognized torture. I understand what it's like to come out with mental health. I don't understand what it's like to be schizophrenic, but I do understand what it's like to be neurodivergent in a world where if you're different, you're just like outcasted. You're looked at as a loser, a weirdo. Happened to me my whole life. Like kids used to stand around me in a circle in school and spit on me. Like people were atrocious to me just because I was different. And so one thing that we really advocate for and, and my co-host really advocates for is, um, you know, more openness and more understanding for neurodivergency and I have a background in disabilities um, specializing in fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and you know I just want you to know that you don't have to be afraid for your child to you know be on the autism spectrum or anything like that because everybody who is neurodivergent like we are really like we're superheroes in our own because we navigate the world in a completely different way that nobody else knows how to. And uh, we do it while facing a lot of judgment. So just know that you have a lot of um, power in yourself and you're very deserving of love. And I hope to see you around. Amen to that. Um, Clint actually dropped out as you started speaking, Chloe. I know you got it in the pocket so you couldn't see, but I know he's gonna listen to the recording. 
And uh, when he does, I want Clint to know and everyone in here, I do host, I have been hosting for the last six months, a regular Saturday space, full spectrum Saturday, where we talk about autism and neurodivergence from the inside out. I am autistic and I also have mid-range ADHD. Um, I, I've got compound PTSD, all sorts of things jumbling around in my head. But um, in the new year, we're actually going to be shifting to 10 a.m. on Fridays. And I'm going to be partnering up with the NFT Voices community. They have a lot of people that are also um, professionals and thinkers and ex really experienced in cognitive health. Um, and Chloe, I would love to invite you to be a regular contributor or to be a, a co-host on the space. Um, and, you know, just know that 10... 10 a.m. on Fridays in the new year, we're going to have that regularly going. Um, and anytime you want to jump jump in, jump on the mic, I'd love to have you there. Uh, we're running out of time. So Matthias and then Baked, and uh, I'll close it out. And Chloe and I'll give some last comments. Okay, so I'm going to preface this with I'm only 20, so I'm sort of speaking from a much younger generational point of view, but a lot of the things people have touched on here, like the way people view masculinity and the way people view changing the definition of masculinity, is a lot more applicable to the younger generation than I've heard a lot of people talk about, because at least from the people I personally know, you can sort of divide it down into two uh, areas of how people view masculinity. It's either toxic or it's the end-all be-all. And there's unfortunately no really in-between given the current environment with how things have been going with the recent Supreme Court decision causing a huge divide, for, at least, again, among the people I know. And it's sort of created a worse mental health space for a lot of guys because they look at now a lot of guys look at themselves and think I can't be in a relationship now because if I get put into one there's a very real chance that if something happens and we end up with a kid I can't I don't want to have a kid and I can't get out of that and on a sort of completely different note there's a very problematic mental health issue among teenagers in particular from what I, again, from this is all from personal experience where they not only don't go to therapy, but they avoid it like the plague. They sort of view therapy as resigning yourself to defeat, like resigning yourself to be weaker than other people. Like, yeah, I don't need therapy. I can deal with all my problems on my own. And, I think that's a pretty heavy contributor to at least the younger male suicide rate. I know in my personal case, I tried to, un I tried to kill myself twice. First time when I was 16, second when I was 19. And the only reason I didn't a third time was because I found this community. In particular, I found one of Chloe's videos just scrolling through, funnily enough, TikTok. The irony does not escape me. And... I s and I'm incredibly grateful I found this community because it prevented me from, well, not being here today. 
So I, I guess what I'm getting at here is there's a lot of pro a lot of the problems that the sort of older generation have trickled down to the younger generation, but then snowballed because of the way the younger generation views themselves in particular with relations to, uh, to feminist views and to things like Andrew Tate, where all the feminist views sort of took one look at him, said, yeah, you're a horrible human. And it sort of got spread into the yes, all men idea. And that's hit a lot of guys I know really hard. Sorry if that was all over the place. I'm not on my ADHD meds today. It's all right. It's all right, Matt. All good. Um, feeling so much for what you said, and I'd love to give many comments. We are running out of time, and I want to respect Chloe picking up her kid. So, Baked, I'm going to pass the mic to you. Hi. Uh, just wanted to say I'm probably the oldest one here. I'm British, but please don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> Basically, I just want to elaborate on a point that Chloe made earlier about um, men's mental health and to do with therapy. Um, I found that a lot of therapists are actually um, female orienta orientated, orientated, I can't get my words out today. And basically the coping mechanisms that they use are for women. And I found that a lot of them, the coping mechanisms that they use aren't as effective for men but that's just my opinion i'll let chloe uh, have the final say all right uh thank you baked i i agree with what you're saying i think chloe's gonna agree with what you're saying um and chloe i know you're about to close it out do you mind can i get a heart if you mind if i'll just give a wrap with uh what i wrote for the man cave now all right here we go so four reasons why the man cave DAO is coming into existence. First, the term man cave has been used in both a pejorative and empowering fashion. While women in the media have laughed at men being in their man cave, quote unquote, when the camera changes scenes, we get a glimpse of men sharing their deepest feelings of fear and self-doubt. Others may laugh, but the man cave has always been a safe place for us to let down our guard. Second, there's a caveman ideology that mutated out of toxic alpha male philosophy. We are changing the meaning of caveman into the vision of the enlightened monk who shows strength through compassion. In order to facilitate this transition, the Man Cave Dow is working to partner with carefully selected men's rights, education, and empowerment organizations around the world. We are also developing a resource bank for men to use in their journey of healing and personal development. Third, with the increase of automation naturally replacing many of the traditionally male roles in the workplace, there needs to be a tra transition in how men express their creative impulses. The, uh, the Man Cave DAO is building a community of creators, artists, educators, and innovators who will help men uncover their hidden creative potential. And fourth, an often understated element of men's mental health is financial prosperity. The Man Cave DAO recognizes that having control over the source of one's income and feeling like the work one does contributes to the overall uh, and feeling like the work one does contributes to the overall community are cornerstones for a man's identity. In order to uplift men in their pursuit of financial, financial freedom through creative and collaborative engagement, we are also incorporating a staking mechanism to give passive income to holders of the Man Cave DAO social token. So there you go. One Space's thoughts, 
Chloe. I can't wait to sit down and chop this up with you um, and to bring in some of the Web3 people that I ha know that are DAO experts. We can get this built out and make it so that there's actually a financial resource bank and or a financial pool and a resource bank to start getting this work going with like really solid, healthy PR and just just crush it. Let's make 2023 the year. Thank you everybody for joining today. I'm like, yeah, like just like seconds away from picking my kid up here. Um, again, if you found this space helpful, please retweet the space. Um, I will be doing these more regularly. So, um, you know, this is not a self-promotion. If you just want to put on the, like the bell for my page, and I think it just notifies you for Twitter spaces. So you can just put that on that way. I'm not flooding your feed or anything like that. Um, I'm also going to upload this as a podcast. So if everybody who spoke is okay with that, um, if anybody wants to be censored or have their name covered, speak now or forever hold your peace. No? Everybody's good? Okay. Well, I personally am very pleased to hear that because I know that many of you, um, like your thoughts and opinions are going to help so many others. And that's really what it's about is not just expressing, but also being solution orientated. So thanks again to absolutely everybody who joined and I will see you next time. This will be uploaded on YouTube and you can find my podcast absolutely everywhere. So, um, yeah, with that being said, I gotta go. Thanks everybody.